0: Hi, how you doing? This is uh, G.O.K. Gospel of Kennison number 19, brought to you the week of uh, October 16, 2010. I'm James, and this is my personal audio blog, uh, audio blog, audio journal. Uh, I'm a podcaster, children's pastor, father. You can check out my podcast at nlcast.com. Um, you can check out my children's ministry podcast and blog at cmmonthly.com do a show with my wife called Explicit Answers at ExplicitAnswers.com. You can check out my art, because I'm an artist too, I didn't mention that, at uh, DrawYouAPicture.com. Anyway, this is uh, this is the, the audio journal of me, in case this is the first show that you've ever heard. It's not really a show, it's a journal. And I'm always a lot more casual on these things than I probably should be. On my other shows, you'll see that I treat every show as if it was the first one somebody had to listen to. But if somebody found this first, which I doubt happens very often, but even so, would you even care? Unless you knew who was talking to you. So, I'm James, by the way. This is my audio journal. The Gospel of Kinnison. Um Today we're going to do something a little different because I just want to share this with the world, really. It's been a blessing to me. The whole I've been doing uh, podcasting since December of 06 and uh, in that time you know we've gotten dozens of of uh, or dozens I want to say thousands of emails but in in out of the thousands there's been maybe a dozen um, that have been really really Good. I mean, and I don't want to say good. That's wrong. That's what I was trying not to say. Because all of my emails that I get that are positive, I love. You know, you love getting great feedback, hearing that people enjoy your stuff, all that kind of stuff. But there's been a few that just stick out over time, um, where I guess the true purpose behind everything that I do and all the podcasts that I do really. Conf- now, these emails confirm that I was doing what I was setting out to do. I mean, primarily it's a hobby, but what I'm really trying to do is use my skills and creativity in a positive way on the internet to create community with the ultimate purpose of glorifying God and letting people know, you know, breaking down the stereotypes about Christianity and showing people that there's a practical and real way to live out a deep faith in God. Didn't didn't have to turn you into an idiot automatically. Doesn't have to turn you into a sourpuss. So kind of, almost, um, just to balance out last ones. And, and GOK number eighteen, which was titled "Christians I Struggle With," and if you haven't gone back and listened to that, I very much suggest that you do. It just kind of lays out my my feelings on on Christianity as a whole. It, although I am one, I, I do struggle with a lot of them. And actually, it spawned, it spawned a book. I'm writing a book um, on the topic. But point being that, uh, and maybe I'll read a little bit of that in a bit, if you don't care. Um, But the point being that uh, I, I get these emails that really show me that, that we're doing what we set out to do. So I want to read some of those. Big old intro just to say, I'm going to read you some emails. This came to us from a girl. Um, she's probably you know ninth grade uh, named Taylor. Hi, my name's Taylor, otherwise known as Jarhead from Nobody's Listening. I decided to send you this message after listening to episode 15 of GOK, and I'm glad I listened to it because it helped me accept why NLCAS had to end. It was about balance, I think. I'll be the first to admit I was angry that the best of your podcast was ending because I'm just a freshman with no life. There you go, ninth grade. When I heard you talking about how your life was imbalanced and you had a lot of chrizzle going on, I felt that I could really relate. I've been wanting to email you for a while and tell you that your show really helped me get through a tough time. See, for a while I was clinically depressed. I couldn't eat anything and and whatnot, and one of the major reasons I got through it and kept smiling was because I had the NLCast crew to help me. I guess that deserves a thank you, guys. You were saying on your audio journal how you were letting your podcast life get ahead of your pastoring life, and... In a sense, you favored podcasting over the other. Why? Because you didn't get as much praise for being a children's pastor than when you were podcasting. I can understand that some the same way. So here's the praise you deserve. James, you're changing those kids' lives. You're doing it so that it's fun for them, but I assure you that they take so much from it. Kids are so impressionable, and you're just a perfect role model for them. I promise that even if you don't think they're taking anything from it, you may not know the whole story. You mentioned some of your kids are a little older. And if you think about that, what if for some reason that kid was just going to have the worst day ever? What if they were going to run away or overdose that night? What if they were deciding whether or not to go to a party with drugs and alcohol that night? Now, what if they walk into children's ministry and see your smiling face, joking with them and and teaching them to make a better choice? Even the little things can help. You may not know the whole story, so all you can do is get up there and try your hardest to be a great children's pastor. I should know because my mom's calling me—I I should go now because my mom's calling me to dinner. I just wanted you to know what you're doing is really great. and I'm glad I got to be a part of a small segment of your life, podcasting. I want you to do me a favor, though. On GOK, you said you were not and should not be considered a podcaster. Um, I want you to go into— I want you to go into your info, and instead of saying, I'm a husband, father, children's pastor, artist, and podcaster, go ahead and take out the podcaster so that we all know you realize what's not important, that, that that's not important, and it's a hobby. You don't have to, but I hope you do. It's the little things that show is not the big stuff. Thank you, Taylor, a.k.a. Jarhead. Um, you know, you're right, girl. You're right. I probably should take that off, but um, I don't identify myself as a podcaster anymore. Um, and I think that also shows the order of things. That was my point is first of all, first and foremost, um, I should say Christian and then husband, then father, then children's pastor, then artist, uh, and then podcaster. So, uh, but Taylor, thanks. And in that huge, that huge coming from a ninth grader. And, uh, I mean, it was the very voice of God, in my opinion, It it was, uh, very uncomfortable reading it actually. And, uh, cause it's, you know, just kind of gushes and, but not really, it's not bragging on me. It's just saying, you know, um, and, and he's saying that the things that, uh, make children's ministry matter often aren't seen. And she's right. She's absolutely right that, uh, but it's hard. It's hard to not grow weary and well-doing, but the Bible says not to. And, um, and it's, it's hard. It's hard. Uh, but good stuff. Let me get into some of these other ones I've kept. <sighs> Let's see. Here we go. This is from a guy named Spencer. Hey, James. Thanks for everything you've done for me without even knowing what you're that you're doing it. I'm 15. Ever since I could remember, I've always considered myself to be more of an intellectual than a spiritual or even social person. I've been a listener of all your podcasts. I started listening to Geek Loves Nerd when the pilot first went out. And then I started listening to NLCast ever since uh, five or six. Your other podcasts, with the exception of Chop and Podcast Kid, I listened to frequently as well. Honestly, this email is long, long overdue, and I hate to say it, even though it may be true, but you've almost single-handedly given me back my faith. I started listening to your podcasts as a doubtful Christian, and as the months turned to years, my faith began to fade more and more because of the growing list of lies and illogical myths of the Bible. But you rescued me from my pit of doubt through your podcasting. I never did stop listening to Geek Loves Nerd, and nobody's listening, even as an atheist, but I thank God for that. The more and more I heard from you, a true Christian, the more and more I began to believe in God. Now, whenever and whoever I talk about religion to, no matter how many physiological debates I get myself into, and I get into a lot, and no matter how many question marks I may have about my faith, I know now, that will, it will just make my faith stronger. So finally, after more than a year of thinking about this email over and over in my head, I laugh at how small and poorly written it is, but I pray that it will eventually make its way through the tubes of the internet and into your computer display. I leave you with this quote from my favorite physicist, a profession I hope to one day work in. First, I want to tell you that your podcasting touched my spiritual being in a way that not even my close friends and religious leaders couldn't. And I thank you for that. Anyways, I hope that you keep podcasting, keep on inspiring lives, and I hope this email doesn't seem stupid from Spencer. And his quote is this, science without religion is lame, and religion without science, science is blind from Albert Einstein. And um, it was ironic. Obviously, that email is amazing. And uh, again, another one hard to read, Uh, not, not because it was <laughs> short or poorly written, Spencer, but because... Um, I don't you know I don't know I've been saving these up so I don't, I don't like reading stuff like this for myself but um, and I'm afraid this this whole show is gonna be like hey look at what we're doing yeah 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 look at us look at us but uh, these are real this is better than any um, any review on iTunes could ever be any voicemail could ever be just people you know that that were uncomfortable writing. I was uncomfortable reading, which I guess is the point, but, um, it's just awesome. It's one thing to set out to do something and the underlying goal being to inspire people for, for God. It's one thing to say that. And and it's another thing to have it actually happen. And it's not like I worked hard at it. Um, you know, so it's not like that statement was, was like, you know, it's another thing, you know, Uh, it, it just, it occurred. It, it did happen. And, and I think it's huge. So I never want to be a podcast, a Christian podcaster who's just preachy. Cause here's my thing. If, if, if you're a real Christian and if God's word lives and breathes in you, cause it is alive, God's word is a, you know, is alive in us. And I think that's when it becomes alive when it's lived out in your life, you know, um, it seems like you shouldn't have to preach. What has St. Francis Assisi said that, you know, go out and preach the gospel today, and if you have to, if you have to, use words. And I think if your cup is full, if your spirit is full of God uh, and the things of God and, and, you know, obeying him, it ought to accidentally come out in almost everything you say and do. And now, you know, I am the king of irreverency. I, I am the most irreverent Christian you'll probably ever meet. Um, you know, I don't just cross the line. I pick it up and, and, and jump rope with it, you know, well, I may not cross the line, but I do pick it up and jump rope with it. Um, you know, I, I make, uh, innuendos and jokes and, you know, everything short of swearing. Um, I do have my limits obviously, and you guys have seen that, but you know, if something's funny, I'm gonna laugh at it, you know, even if it's bad. All the bad jokes are funny, even though they're still bad, you know, that kind of thing. They're actually the best jokes. <laughs> they're just terrible, and I don't tell them or listen to them. Um, but um, I, I, in the depths of my soul, I want to make a change in the universe, in this world specifically, this part of it. I want to glorify God, and I want to, I want to go to heaven, and I want to take as many people with me as possible. See, it's not about telling people they're going to hell. It's about telling people they can go to heaven. And, um, you know, I, I just don't understand how a message so basic and so full of love could have gotten so twisted and distorted. Well, I do. I do. Because people got in there and they listened to the lies of Satan and they, they surrounded themselves with some sort of uh, some sort of God-protective shell, you know, that wasn't really God. But we're better than you because we are smart enough to see this, that, and the other about God, and you're not. And that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I like what my mentor and friend, Pastor David Godbout, says about grace. You know, people think that living in sin as a Christian, you know, requires all this grace. Uh, Or living, you know, and he's found that living for God. And striving with all of your being to do what's right actually requires more grace than when you don't care. And that is because everything that we do for God requires more of us than we actually have in us. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't do it all on my own. And anybody that's tried to live by faith or tried to live according to the things of God, you know you fail constantly. You know, it's just like irritating um, and you, and so that, that statement should ring true for you, the grace that God gives us to live for him and the f- huge amount of it. And that, this comes from a guy who once taught me a, a, a lesson that you can tell how much you love God by how much grace you use. And, and it was a negative. It was like that it was against people or against those of us who were relying on his grace to get by. In Christianity, meaning we were playing with him and just trusting that God would forgive us whenever we needed it, you know that kind of thing. And so f- to go from that extreme to the other, saying now grace is is what you need to live for him, and that you're using more than you ever did when you didn't care. I, it's huge. It's awesome. Anyway, sorry you get on the pastor kick. I just I just really have a heart right now um, to turn thing to help the world turn things around to help Christianity say you know what, we're not jerkwads. You know, in the 80s, it was a big thing to go into the future in our movies and stuff, uh, with Christian movies, and look at the future. There were even music videos and stuff like that uh, about – you know, the future and how Christians chick tracks and all these different things. Christians were going to be ostracized and treated like the Jews were in the Holocaust and we were going to be hunted down. And it was a big popular theme. And I remember thinking how ridiculous that was and how, how that was never going to happen. But I could see how it could today because we are the only group in the world really, um, that just flat out hates everybody or that's the impression. And we're supposed to be the group that is known for the most love, the most compassion, the most caring. Now, we do those things. There's a lot of lot of good out there. I'm not saying we're not. Oh, Lord. You know, there's so much going on. Almost every bit of any kind of outreach to other countries that's going on is, is religious-based stuff. Uh, you know, all the help that's poured out. You know, they're quicker and, and more expedient than the government. You know, there's lots of social programs and blah, 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 blah. But somehow or another, we're missing it somewhere because on college campuses and uh, in and around neighborhoods where churches are located, you ask those people about Christianity and we're we're weak-minded, shallow, judgmental, and hateful. So anyway, it's good to see that, that at least Spencer here, who was probably on that side of things, um, saw a touch of reality because it's not like we have to fake it. Anyway, uh, let me see here, Spencer. Hey guys, I um I used to be a loyal listener. Started back up. I think I lost somewhere. I got lost somewhere between. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is, here's a thank you. Earlier in the year, I was going through a rough time with losing one of my best friends to lung cancer, and my brother having breast cancer, and my dad in the hospital for having a heart attack, and me in a wheelchair for a knee surgery. You could pretty much say it hit the fan. But every week I would look forward to your podcast and checking the site when I could. I felt like I had another family, just something that got me away from it all. One show I recall you saying a prayer for my mom, and that was a really special moment for me, and James even played Castle Crashers with me once or twice on Xbox Live. You guys looked after me really well, even if you did it without knowing. I wrote this email because I was thinking about all, all of it the other day. And I recall the one thing um, that got me through it all was podcasts, and specifically, nobody's listening. James, I would like to thank you for all your hard work, um, Cameron. So, <sighs> you guys are a blessing. I I, I used to say on uh, I used to say on Geek Loves Nerd a lot, or uh, not Geek Loves Nerd. On uh, nobody's listening. That you know, it's not the best show in the world, but it's the best. It's not the best podcast, but it's the best podcast listeners, best podcast audience. And this is why. You guys are awesome. This is in response to GOK 18. Um, Serious, I really connected with 18. I'm a born and raised Catholic. I'm not good at it, but I somewhat try. I've been called Catholic Light, cafeteria Catholic, because I pick and choose to deny some aspects and so on. I'm sorry you needed to do this show. And I'm ecstatic that you did this show. I wish I could become more like James. Let me explain. I'd like to say that I wish I were closer to you than just a listener of your podcast. I really think you and I would be good friends. I always feel I travel away from God, and you always help me realize that he's never that far away, even when I am. One day, I would love to shake your hand for that lesson. You've repeated this notification in every GOK, and especially in this one. I'm sorry because it's obvious you were thrown for a loop by someone over the top. You should meet my sister. She's an over-the-top fundamentalist, rebirth, reborn, redeemed, and it goes on. I try never to get in a religious discussion with her and I'm ecstatic because I was recharged by your convictions to be honest about what you truly believe. You teach all of us that no matter what, we are loved and cared for and uh, we own our own, whether it's in sin, crutch, obsession, etc., but... We can all change for the better if we want to. Thanks for the GOK and thanks for being who you are and knowing who you are too. And uh, I'm not going to tell his name because you would probably know him. And I'm sure he's listening to this and he's going, thank you. Because I didn't want that read. <laughs> but, um, you yeah, know, I, I appreciate all of that. I appreciate that more than you know. And um, there's a lot of us cath- cafeteria Christians out there. Matter of fact, I have to be one, especially when I'm listening to somebody I don't like or don't agree with. And that's what you do. You take you take uh, the stuff that you like, you leave the stuff you don't. But then the, the next step in that parade is to take some stuff that you don't like, but you know is right. And I've learned, why. you know, why are there Benny Hens out there? These freakazoid people that thousands and millions of people listen to. Why are there these big name people like the Jimmy Swaggerts and the, all these people that were in sin, but they were still doing things for God? Why is that? And and I think it's just a sign. You know, why are these people we don't like? That's my point. Why are these people we don't like or that misrepresent us? Why are they successful? And I, I, I here's my theory. This is GOK to the extreme, and it's that God's grace is so huge that first of all we can't understand it, and He loves those people and He's giving them chances to change. But at the end of the day, he's using them. Not like a whore, but he's using the platform. And, you know, I I think there's a lot of people out there that we think are very misled, and they are, bless their hearts. And they've gotten so full of themselves, but God is still able to make use of them, and so he does. That's my theory. I think I think he uses homosexual Christian churches too, for the same same reason. I, I I don't know that he would go out and establish one, you know, but I think um I think if you're a homosexual person and you find that you have an interest in the things of God, you're not going to find yourself most of the time in a typical church because as soon as that comes out, you're going to be ostracized, right? So what do you do? You find one of these accepting churches. And my theory is on this that at least to a certain percentage, you know, any all truth is God's truth, even if it's given on accident. And if you're reading the word of God and you and it, it doesn't matter what church you go to and and God's word is alive and it comes alive in your soul, I think I think it can be like a halfway house. You know? So you know, am I am I sitting there uh, promoting a lifestyle choice? No, no, please, no. I don't. I don't even promote uh, heterosexuality. It's it's very complicated, as all of us married guys know. I can't even suggest that to anybody. So I'm not promoting anything. Um, but I'm saying I think that is the depths of God's grace. That. He will pull from any source he can. You know, there's a million ways to hell, as we know. There's only one way to God through Jesus. But I believe that the path to finding him, there's a million of those. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not arguing that there's one way to God. And I'm not arguing uh, that you can believe whatever you want. But I'm, I'm saying that there is a billion ways to find God to find Jesus, rather, to to come to a relationship with him. And that's only because God is omnipresent. He's everywhere you are. And so if you're a poor kid in the inner city locked in a closet because your mom stinking went to the boats to gamble all night, God is there, and you can find Jesus in that hole. If you're a homosexual who was, quote-unquote, born that way, or at least you feel like you were, and, and yet, you you would change it if you could, but you don't feel like you can. God made you this way, so why would he call it sinful? Why do I feel this way? And, you know, I'd love to feel different, but I can't. And I feel out of control. And I just want to kill myself. God, you can find God right where you are. Um, atheist guy who's really not so much against God uh, as you, as you are the people of God, quote unquote. You can find God even in the middle of your disbelief. You can find Jesus Christ because he ain't about any of that junk. I mean, read the Bible. The guy was the most selfless. He yelled at the people that you hated. He did. He hate, He hated on the same people. That's the thing. The church today, some of them, the people that, that we're talking about, like last show, they are... The Pharisees and Sadducees of his time, the stuck-up religious people that thought they knew it all and just hated on everybody else, Jesus didn't like those folks either. He wanted them to change, obviously, but they were the problem, not the solution. They were his enemies, not his friends. They were the people that should have come alongside him and brought the people in droves to him, but it didn't happen because they were so stuck on themselves. So I guess this isn't the first time in history this has happened. This has happened before. It will happen again, and here we are now. So here's here's my GOK of the day. I'm going to close it out. Oh, I promised you I'd read a little bit. Let me do that. But I'm going to say this before I do. Um, Christian person, um, live it out. You know, it's not about falling down and shaking at church. It's not about a lot of things. It's not about how you dress or what you watch. It's about your relationship with God. And and then it's about all of that. You understand what I'm saying? We so We try so much to get to know God. We think if I can quit sinning, God will love me more. If I can sing more, God will love me more. If I could dress and and act and quit drinking and smoking and quit all the different things. If I could quit liking the same sex, just drop all that. That's man trying to get to God. God came to man. God came to you. And he said, I hate my cry voice, he said, I'm going to take the most precious thing I have, my son, my own son, and I'm going to prove to you how much I care about you, my created, and I'm going to kill him. I'm going to turn my back on him instead of you. Instead of you. He didn't do anything wrong, but I'm going to treat him like he did everything so I can love you. And, you know, I, I in a way, I don't understand how that works. But, you know, go watch Narnia. (laughs) It makes sense when you watch Narnia for some reason. Or go watch, I love uh, Tarzan when he kills that leopard in the jungle. (laughs) How does a man dying 2,000 years ago apply to me? The same way Tarzan killing that tiger or that, that leopard or whatever it was, cheetah, protected the rest of the animals in that jungle and especially people in his family. Because Christ's death paid the price. It killed death, basically. And now we're all free if we accept him. Anyway, love you guys. All right, let's read this. and you you'll. I don't know if I'll do this every time. Maybe I will. I haven't written much. Maybe a couple, 1,200 words or so. But this is going to be the book I'm writing. And I don't even know what it's going to be called yet. So here it is. I'll read you the introduction. And, and it's raw. This is rough draft, okay? So no judgments on the, on my grammar and all this kind of stuff. If you can see how many red underlines are in this, in this stuff. But I heard just right and figured out later, so I did. Here we go. Here's my deal. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe He's alive and well today, that He moves in His people. I believe in the gifts of tongues, interpretation, prophecy, healing. Even the casting out of spirits, words of knowledge, even physical manifestations, like groaning or crying or laughing. I believe in these things, but I'm just not sure that I've ever seen any of it legitimately. I've been raised in Pentecostal and charismatic churches since the age of six. I've been through more revivals, movements, scandals, and bandwagons than I care to remember. I've seen the fall of Jimmy Swaggart, Jim Baker, as well as the satellite television happenings of Robert Tilton, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagan, and Marilyn Hickey. I've seen a lot but I really couldn't tell you how much of it was real. And by real, I mean real to me, as in life-changing. What I have seen and experienced are things like prophecy nights where ladies would fill my head full of grand ideas that ultimately led me to believe that I didn't have to do anything for God's plan to come to pass. I lived through my mother marrying a man who was going to be a spirit-filled preacher who turned out to be a bitter, angry, and abusive stepfather. I saw people of faith deny themselves health care because they were claiming their healing, only to lose a foot, and at least in one case, their life. Being judged by parents because I didn't lift my hands during worship. Watching my mom fake prophetic words from God because she didn't believe that people were entering into the presence of God. Being force-fed, horrifying, backward-masking videos that had me terrified for months after having demons regularly cast out of me from a list in my mother's hand, being beaten with a dowel rod because of a literal translation of a verse in the Bible and the advice of another abusive parent, being kept away from Scooby-Doo, He-Man, the Smurfs, video games and movies and popular TV shows because they were demonic, being told that Tylenol... Taking Tylenol after praying for a headache was a lack of faith. Being pushed over by traveling evangelists and revivalists and having my pastor call my then-girlfriend, now-wife, into his office just before service, me and my girlfriend, by the way, just before service so that he could take up my mother's cause by demanding that I take care of her financially, though I didn't live there anymore. I'm sure there are folks who could put my story to shame, but I would wager that most reading this can relate at some level. I'd tell people... It's amazing that I even like God, and it is. That's why I'm writing this. Maybe it's to someone just like me who went through the same things, but ended up on the in the unbeliever category. Maybe it's going to the atheist who would be able to accept more of the God thing if they knew what some of us go through to find or keep our faith. Maybe it goes out to those who would consider themselves the spiritual elite, to those who are long on gifts, but short on the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe it's just for me. Either way, I hope beyond hope that it rings out as a simple call to authentic spirituality and a warning to those who would, with possibly the best of intentions, try to model or even fake it for those watching. And there is the introduction of my first book. Or actually third, but first book book. I had written a couple kids' books. but Anyway, that's it for this GOK Sorry, these things are so hard-hitting, but this is what's uh, this is where I'm going. So, you know what, I I can't apologize. Hope you enjoy it. I hope it challenges you. And uh, I'd love to get your feedback. I uh, usually don't ask for that because, you know, what's what's the point of a journal if you if you start asking for opinions? But I really want to want to see if um, I want to hear more about you know how this is challenging you and your thoughts. And as we're growing together, um, I really don't I won't sit and debate. With you, uh, like the one guy in the one email, I don't debate. I just don't see any value in that. I mean, somewhere I read a scripture about arguing with people. It's just not even uh, its not even my job to try to convince you. Um, and, and I'm not going to sit here and, and allow you to tear down what I know to be true. But if you have doubts and questions that you have a legitimate question on, you know, I'm not going to answer, if God has a rock... That he couldn't move and he could do it, you know that kind of bull crap. I don't, I don't care. That's you know silly and stupid. Um, yeah, it's only silly and stupid because you can't answer it. Well, I can, but I just don't care to. And and it's it's like belittling. It's it's is I don't know. It's like somebody standing right behind you that you can't see, and everybody else is describing him, and you're questioning it because you can't see him because he's in your blind spot, but everybody else can see him that's my view on things. It's like, I'm not going to argue with you because it's as plain as the nose on your face. God's real to me and, um, and can be to you. So, you know, I, please respect that. You don't have to, I'll just delete your email. Cause I, I honestly, I don't want to waste your time cause you're not going to be convinced. Um, and I don't want to waste my time because I don't care to convince you. I, I trust that the Holy spirit does that. I trust that a life lived for God will do that. um, And I trust uh, that God loves you more than I do. Um, And there's a time for evangelism. And uh, that's when a heart is open and ready. And I don't cast my pearls before swine. I don't even cast my BB pellets before swine. So, And not that you're swine. Peace out, people.